Will you open up with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 36? We're in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 this morning. Uh, we've been taking a look at the prophet Ezekiel and talking about God's heart for the world. God's heart for the world. Uh, so today's uh, passage is a little bit long, but bear with me. And uh, bear with the prophet. He gets very graphic, and he's trying to communicate a very powerful point about the holy name of God. And so we're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to read all the way to verse 38. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanliness in my sight. And so I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave the land. I had concern for my holy name, says the Lord, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. And therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, for the sake, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, and I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities, from all of your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful, and I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees, the crops of the fields, so you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways, and then you will remember your wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for the sins and the detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, I will cleanse you from your sins. I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass it. And they will say, this land was laid waste 
has become like the Garden of Eden, and the cities lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. And the nations around you that remain will know that the Lord has rebuilt what was destroyed. The Lord has replanted what was desolate. The Lord has spoken, and I will do it. This is what the sovereign Lord said. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during their appointed feasts. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people, and then they will know that I am the Lord. Whew, that's a lot. Let's pray over this. Father, I can't say thank you enough for allowing us to come together to proclaim your holy name. I pray that we did that with our hearts and our words and our actions, that we glorified who you are and glorified your name. And now at this time, we ask that your spirit will just guide and lead us as we try to understand a little bit more about who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I came across uh, this meme this week that says, I don't care what people say about me. I know who I am, and I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Can I get an amen? I don't care what people say about me. How many of you love this as much as I do? I mean, it inspires you to be your own person, right? It inspires you to be unique. I mean, the world, it tells us that we're supposed to dress a certain way. And you can say, I, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to be me. On a Christian level, this is great. The culture would encourage you to engage in sin, right? Because it's normal. And you can say, no, I don't care what you think. I'm going to live a different way. I'm going to march to the beat of, my, of a different drum, right? Recently, my son Charlie who turned 10 years old today. Say, happy birthday, Charlie. <laughs> Woo! This isn't so great, though. Charlie decided recently that he's a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and all God people said, boo. <laughs> but no, good for him. You guys know I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, but good for him, right? At least it's not the Patriots. Then I would probably disown him. But good for him. He can march to the beat of his own drum. And I encourage my son to be unique, to be himself. And, and within certain contexts, not caring what people think is admirable. But not in all contexts, right? I mean, if I go to, uh, if I go to a restaurant and the waiter beats to the drum, his own drum, right? He makes up his own rules and treats me poorly because he doesn't care what I think. Well, now I have an opinion of him and I have an opinion of the restaurant, right? Or what if your doctor decides, you know, I really don't care what the licensing board thinks of me, right? Uh, 
I don't think you should be your own person in that context, amen? Or what if a Christian says, you know, I'm not going to be defined by this outdated book. I'm my own person, and I make up my own rules. You see, in certain contexts, it's incredibly important to be unique and to not care what people think about you. But it seems like in other contexts, we represent something much bigger, right? The Israelites in this passage said that specifically to God. I mean, God told the Israelites, you need to go and take care of the poor and the helpless of society. And Israelites said, no, I'd rather take care of myself. God told them to put away false gods and serve the Lord, the one and only Lord in Israel. And they said, no, no, the other nations are having a lot more fun, and I kind of like to serve their neato gods. They're neato. We might say that God is kind of narrow-minded, and maybe they did too. God gave them practical ways that they could love each other, like refraining from coveting what your neighbor has, or refraining from uh, lying to your neighbor, or refraining from stealing from your neighbor. But Israel said, you know, we don't want to live that way. And today we might say that's kind of old-fashioned. Maybe Israel said the same thing. Israel chose to live by their own rules, and it hurt them. And God, through consequence, and he shares this with them, that he had to remove them from the land. And God allowed a pagan king and his army to destroy Jerusalem and to destroy and defile the temple. And according to this text, it affected God's holy name. And I think it's like that bad waiter at that restaurant, right? It affects God's name among the nations. King Solomon was probably a perfect example of why Israel's actions affected God's reputation. Do you all know the story of Solomon's wisdom? Any kid that came out of Miss Debbie's class does, right? They'll tell you the story. God wanted to bless Solomon because of his father, David, who was faithful to God. He offered Solomon anything he wanted, and the only thing Solomon asked for was wisdom. Help me to rule with wisdom. Help me to be a king like my dad before me. I'm young, and I need wisdom. And he knew that God was the only source to fulfill that wish. His wish was granted. And the author of 1 Kings gives us a glimpse into why the outpouring of wisdom was so important for God and the ancient world. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 to 34 says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Listen to this. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom in Egypt. And he lists some folks. He was wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite. 
He was wiser than He-Man. I don't think it's the He-Man we know. He was wiser than Calcol and Darda and the sons of Mahal. His fame, here's the point, his fame spread to the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He spoke of animals and birds, reptiles and fish. And from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who heard of this wisdom. You, you see what happened? Solomon aligned himself with God and his reputation and God's reputation grew. People from everywhere wanted to learn about this wisdom that was given as a gift from the great I am. And even Jesus alludes to Solomon's fame in Matthew 12. He references the Queen of Sheba and says she came from the other side of the world to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Which reputation do you, God, do you think that God wants to have? The reputation of Solomon or the reputation of the Israelites who disobeyed? Did you notice in the passage, I hope you did because I had to say it so much it became uncomfortable, how many times God says, my holy name. He either uses that term or refers to himself close to 12 times in that short passage. Over and over again, and I think there's significance to the holy name of the Lord. I mean, names have significant meanings and they're part of our identity. You remember that God changed Abram's name to Abraham, meaning father of many. God changed the name of Jacob to Israel, meaning the one who wrestles with God. Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, which means the rock. The ancient world was known for giving out names to people that had significance. And they also were known for giving names to gods that were significant. But not so with the sovereign Lord we read about in the text today. Our God told us his name not the other way around. In verse 38, God says, they will know that I am Yahweh. I am who I am. And you'll remember maybe the story of Moses in the burning bush. Moses asked God to give him his name. Let's reread that passage in Exodus 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked, well, what's his name? What should I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is, listen to this, this is my name forever 
the name you shall call me from generation to generation. He is the great I am. And he wants so bad to protect that name so that when people see you, when people see me, they understand who God is. And that's why the second commandment in the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. I always thought this means we shouldn't say cuss words, but I think it's deeper than that. I mean, we shouldn't say cuss words, kids. But I think the commandment is deeper than that. The name of God is holy. The name of God is powerful. You remember when Jesus said in John 14, 13, he said, whatever you do, ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son That's a powerful promise. It's a powerful promise that we should take very very much to heart. We should be responsible with. Are you using God's name for your selfish gain? Are you using God's name to justify your sinful actions? You see, God's name is not empty God's name is not hallow. There's power in the holy name of God. And we must not forget that. Here's my word for you this morning as we discuss the holy name of God. God values and protects his reputation. So be careful how you act and what you say. Because you wear the holy name of God. So when you hate, God's reputation is tainted. When you live a foolish life, God's reputation is tainted. When you ignore the circumstances of the poor, the widow, the helpless, God's reputation is tainted. Learn a lesson from the Israelites today and change your life. God's message to you today is to be responsible with the powerful and holy name of God. Remember, Moses took his shoes off in the presence of the powerful and holy God. Isaiah cried, woe to me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested in the garden? He said, who do you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they fell down, folks. There is power in the holy name of God. But the holy name of God is also merciful. Right? It's also full of mercy. He says, because of my holy name I want you restored isn't that what he said to the Israelites when he starts talking about the lack of famine when he starts talking about their people growing and their walls being rebuilt and people worshiping him again he he wants restoration he wants us to be restored he wants 
as he says here, to make us clean. Verse 33 specifically reminds us that God promises to cleanse us from our many sins. For the time that you took his name for granted, you could be made clean. For the times that you tainted his reputation, you can be made clean. Because we need a Savior, someone to save us from that uncleanliness. Today's song, we're going to sing, You Are My All in All. And I want you to reflect on this promise. We can come to God today just as we are, and he will restore that relationship again. He can make us new. There are three stations set up in the auditorium where you can go and take the cup that's filled with bread and the cup that's filled with juice and bring it back to your seat and reflect on the holy name of God. And we'll take the bread and juice together as Richard uh, Gardner instructs us. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for these precious promises. I'm grateful uh, for a reminder not to take your name for granted and to remember, Lord, that your reputation is at stake. Father, we pray for cleansing through the power of your blood, your mercy, and your grace. And Father, we ask that we can just uh, glorify you in everything that we say and do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.